here for the first time. Thank you. How many people have never done a meditation retreat for as long as three days? Anywhere. Okay, so there are many new people. We'll begin the formal sitting meditation instructions in a few moments. But first I'd like to put whatever is to come in a kind of context. For one thing, before we even get to a suggested way of working with the breath, meditation has already begun right now if you allow it to happen right now. For example, especially if you're here for the first time and have not done uh, retreats or been in silence for extended periods of time, perhaps there's nervousness or apprehension, boredom. Whatever your mood is at this moment, the meditative way is to, to know it. It's not that I'm going to ask you it or you have to write it out or anything of that sort. But at this moment, don't get lost. Right, right now, even before we start with the breath, get a sense of the particular mood that you're in, where you're starting from. Not so much in terms of thinking about it, but just in a very simple, innocent way. Perhaps what you've brought here. Unfinished business outside, so-called outside. And if you, we can bring a very simple quality of attention to our experience at this moment, to the state that the body is in, to the way the mind is behaving right now, then meditation has begun. Also, extremely important, simply because we're doing it right now, is talking and listening. Now, right now it's mainly, perhaps entirely, myself talking, There'll be some opportunities for you to ask questions as well. So that right now you're mainly listening. And the meditative way regarding this would be to listen to the listening. We've begun to take note of our particular situation or condition as we sit on these cushions. And now somebody is talking, perhaps having an impact and so the, the listening to the listening means that you can't really hear what's being said unless you can hear yourself, unless you know where you are. We hear things and the mind responds, perhaps running off someplace else, agreeing with something and then a chain of thought begins that's very positive, but you're not here or very negative, you're not here. And so, meditative listening would be to bring attention to yourself right now and the main object of attention for the next few minutes would be some of these words that are coming to you. Really hearing them and also noticing the play of mind, the movement of mind. Now, if we're not sensitive to the movement of mind or the state that the body is in as we're listening, what tends to happen is we're pulled away unknowingly and we hear rather selectively 
a phrase here and there, a few sentences, and there are big gaps in the listening. Now, if you can begin to do this, to pay attention not only to what's being said, but to how you're receiving it, and at first it seems like it's two things, but I think eventually you'll see that it's one smooth, just it's just awareness, one smooth thing, then the process has already begun. And it might be, probably is, more important than anything, any of the content that I'm saying at this moment, if you can begin to learn that. Because that's what we're going to be learning all three days that we're here. How to stay in the moment. Lots of phrases that you've all heard. It's very popular now. How to know where you are, to know what's happening, to know what you're doing. And so, right now, perhaps this does not seem like meditation because it's just talking and listening and meditation means quiet, legs folded a certain way, etc. That's only one facet of meditation practice, the sitting practice, formal sitting practice. And what I'd like to suggest to put into context the instructions that will be coming in a few moments about sitting meditation is that meditation is more a way of life than any particular technique and there are endless numbers of techniques. And the techniques have a place and they're very helpful. But central, at least to this approach to meditation, is being alert and sensitive, having the mind of discovery, keeping a mind that's open to learn from moment to moment. It's a view of life as being homogeneous. That is, wherever we are, whatever we encounter, that's our life. Now, on a retreat such as this, where the star of the show, so to speak, is the sitting posture in this hall, and perhaps many of you have come to learn how to meditate, and you think that meditation is sitting. It seems almost synonymous. What I'd like to suggest is that's not totally true. And to save you certain problems that may come up, right from the beginning, if you can understand that what we're learning to do is to bring awareness to our life as we live it, from moment to moment. When we sit, then of course, then the awareness would be with what's happening when we sit, which is a very simplified situation and that's part of its great value. And then as we leave this hall or as you're listening right now, that's not less valuable. Let me give you a sense of the spirit of what I'm trying to convey. There was an ancient Chinese teacher of these, this practice who said, if you're entertaining guests in your home, while your guests are there, give them full and wholehearted attention. See to it that they're served, that the food is appealing, that they're introduced to people that they don't know, that certain awkwardness is, is helped. Or be totally 100% a host. And when your guests leave, if you feel like going to your meditation cushion and sitting for a while, sitting as we're doing and about to learn, if you're beginning, then by all means give full attention to the sitting meditation. But don't feel that that's superior to the time that you spent with your guests 
Also, don't feel that it's inferior. Do you see what's being suggested? That life is just one whole. Now, the mind's tendency seems to be to endlessly feature certain aspects of life. Perhaps it's an activity that we love to do, tennis. And then our full undivided attention would be there. Or maybe our work or cooking. It could really be anything. And now coming here, it could be sitting. Now, when we're sitting, and I'll be encouraging you probably till you get quite tired of hearing it, to really sit, to really be alert as to what's happening. If we're with the breath, to experience each in-breath and each out-breath exactly as it happens. But tomorrow you'll have a job, and even before that, many things will come up. All kinds of small actions, small behaviors. Moving from this hall, perhaps having a late night cup of tea, making your way up to your room, etc. That's not inferior to being on the cushion. It's also not superior. It's just what's next. And it is our life at that moment. So that whatever we encounter is our life. Sounds like a real cliché. Uh, the whole point is to salvage it from the status of being a cliché. It is a cliché. Because it's very difficult to do. We tend to develop preferences, each one of us. Okay, so the meditative way would be taking into account the total life that we have here. We have a wonderful advantage, an opportunity. It's something that's been going on for thousands of years. For thousands of years, human beings much like ourselves have gathered together, sat together, gathered and supported each other in pursuit of self-understanding. Apparently, it's a difficult thing to do. Most cultures value it. Universities talk about it a lot. Self-understanding, wisdom. But then again, you don't see long lines of people queuing up to do it. Perhaps it's because the thing we're most afraid of is ourself. I don't know. For some of us, that's true. But one thing that's been discovered is that if it is difficult, it can be eased dramatically if a group of people, all highly motivated, sincerely attempting to understand themselves, come together. Just as we're doing here, it's been done for thousands of years in different parts of the world. Come together in silence, outer silence, the outer silence being a prelude to inner silence, facilitates inner silence. So the alertness that I would like to suggest applies everywhere in getting dressed, in getting undressed, in showering, in eating, in taking walks. Nothing is left out. Now, it was mentioned no eye contact, which can help things quite a bit. These meditation gatherings are an unusual social kind of group in that we're together and alone at the same time. Perhaps that's always true, but in a very striking way here, because by and large, you won't be talking to each other until sometime Monday. And you'll be encouraged to use this time to inquire, to investigate, to come to know yourself, to become more familiar with yourself. And that happens everywhere and anywhere. It's not 
limited to the meditation cushion, although an enormous amount can be accomplished in that simplified situation. Even though you won't be making eye contact, or let's say much of the time you won't be, nonetheless it's inescapable that we'll have reactions to one another. For example, if you don't make eye contact, you start seeing things you normally don't see, which is the color of people's socks, or if these socks match, or if they have a hole in them, or if they're summer socks or winter socks, or why are they wearing a winter sock when it's warm in the building, or why don't they put on thicker socks, the floor is very cold. So we'll become experts on the lower realms, so to speak because our gaze is averted a good deal of the time. Moreover, we cannot help but have reactions to one another of attraction, of repulsion. What I would suggest is that those reactions be absorbed into the practice. That is, um, we'll talk more about this when we finish the retreat. There is a relationship. There is relationship flourishing here. Admittedly, a rather strange one when no one's talking. But we're in each other's presence. And there's no denying that we're having reactions. We can talk as if we're not, but everyone knows that we are. So what I would suggest is that those kinds of insights that come to you through relationship be assimilated into the practice. And that means reactions like annoyance or irritability or impatience, someone going through the line too slow. Whatever it is, Take that as meditation, not as an occasion to feel superior or inferior, but to learn. And this is another main principle that can really help us a lot during these three days. Three days of no talking and a very simplified existence can be quite intense. No doubt, everyone in this room will be going through a wide range of different emotional experiences, different moods. Loving being here, hating being here, wondering why you ever bothered to come. Loving it so much that you start making plans to go to Burma. And the next minute, calling up the Greyhound bus terminal to find out how to get out of here without the office finding out (laughs) so that you don't lose face. If you have the attitude of learning, that is, all these, whatever it is that, that life throws up to us here at this retreat center, it's no different than wherever we all come from, even though we walk around um, maintaining a certain composure and, and not having direct eye contact. The, what is thrown up by life is telling you something about yourself. And so, each of these moments is an occasion, these reactions that we have to what's going on, an occasion for self-revelation. They're revelatory. If you take them that way, if you get involved in judging and just get caught on the reaction itself, it, it doesn't have very much value. If you see it as a challenge rather than an obstacle, The challenge being learning, and that's what we're here for. It's a school, even though it may not look like it. Then no matter what happens during the three days, the oscillations of mood, the body will change, 
sometimes being very happy to be seated and other times screaming out that it doesn't want to sit anymore. If we begin to learn about how we take these things, looking at our impatience, looking at what it takes to destroy our composure, seeing how we handle disappointment, seeing how we handle success. But really, this frame of reference has no success or failure. That's the beautiful thing about it. It has to do with being foolish or wise. It's not winning or losing or anything of that sort. And the wisdom is simply the willingness to learn about yourself during these somewhat contrived conditions that have been ingeniously invented by our ancestors, I mean the human race's ancestors, to help us come to know ourselves and to become free, free human beings. So from that point of view, a bad situation is a good situation. You may become just appalled with being here. What a wonderful opportunity to study that, to get to know that. How blessed we are, how fortunate. Where else could you get support to do that? I don't know, 70 or 80 odd people all cheering, telling you to stay with it, not get lost in it, but try to understand why you're having one reaction or another. The understanding is not really thinking so much. At the beginning, it's hard to keep thinking out. But it's more very innocent openness. The awareness that we're trying to develop has no thinking in it. It's just a simple attention. It has no future or past. It has no color or weight, no gender. This seems to be a quality in each one of us that is capable of knowing what's happening in each moment. And we're trying to deepen that. This quality of knowing, again, it's not thinking, is a very unsung hero, you might say, in the, in our psychic, in the psyche. It's very unobtrusive, this ability to pay attention, to be aware. We're interested in it, by and large, in order to get somewhere, to get something. Money, or to protect ourselves from danger. And here we'll be developing this quality that largely gets lost. Most education doesn't deal with awareness per se. Just that capacity to know, to be conscious. So please be patient as we move through these three days And all the changes that come about are part of the learning experience. If you really get into the spirit spirit of it, you wouldn't have it any other way. Okay. To help us begin our meditative life, if you are really beginning it, some of you I know have heard similar or identical instructions before. A very simple spiritual exercise has been used for a long time, way before the Buddha. Seems to be a very standard and hallowed exercise to simply discover that we're breathing. We're beginning to learn that now. Step number one, our body. 
During the group periods, there'll be opportunity for group discussion. I'll show a few exercises. They're rather simple. Probably most of you know them. Just anything that loosens up your knees and ankles and inside of your thighs. Step number one is we have this body. And we can haphazardly just plump it down on the cushion. Or we can begin to take note of how we're using our body in the sitting posture right now. It's been found to be very helpful if the body can learn to sit in an erect, stable, and comfortable way. So that the head, neck, and back are in one straight line. And so that the body moves as little as possible and also to be comfortable. Now, if you're starting out, you probably won't experience either, any of this to begin with. You'll be crooked, uncomfortable, and unstable. And then get annoyed at that and perhaps judge yourself for it. It's part of the re-education. It takes a while for the body to learn how to sit comfortably. It's no different than any other new activity. And so begin as best you can. I'll come around starting tomorrow from time to time and uh, make adjustments, help you feel what it's like to be sitting straight. And if you can't hold that posture, don't worry about it. Begin to get a feeling for what, it, what it's like and gradually you'll grow into it. When the body is erect, stable, comfortable, the energy flows directly to the brain, there's less likelihood of dozing off, for the mind to be dull, fantasizing. And so, bring your body gently but with some alertness into what feels like a comfortable position for you. And please understand that throughout the three days, it's fine to use standing if you find the sitting becomes rather difficult. If the body has reached a point where it needs relief, stand allow the tension to release itself. We'll go into more details as to how to work with discomfort and pain tomorrow. Stand, or if you need to sit in a chair, that's fine. And let's slowly begin to learn how to sit still, planted in the earth like a tree. Find some place for your hands, some place that your hands like to be in your lap or on your knees. Check the body at this moment. See if there are any signs of tension. Look into the roof of your mouth, your jaw. The shoulders and armpits. Feel your eyes. Are they hard and tight or are they soft? If you allow the eyes to be soft, it spreads throughout the whole body. And the head is resting on the neck very lightly. It's as if your head were a balloon and has a tendency to float upwards. Being somewhat attracted from the back of the head up to the sky. 
and check to see if you're not too far forward or backwards or to the left or to the right. If there's any, any unnecessary tension in your legs. And notice that you're breathing. Each one of us in this room is breathing. In just a very common sense, ordinary way. Experiencing the breath wherever you find it. Just for a moment or so, a few moments. Not regulating the breath in any way whatsoever. Just breathing. Now intuitively, see where you're more attracted to bring your attention, to focus it. The nose or around the abdomen. Begin to experiment and see which feels more comfortable, where you're more naturally inclined to pay attention. This evening and beginning with tomorrow, do that. But as soon as possible, establish one or the other, either the nose or the abdomen, as the locus for attention, and stay with it throughout the three days. Tremendous advantage in simplifying our life by picking this one point of attention and allowing all the complexity that we've stored up to unfold, to reveal itself, and gradually to go into abeyance as we time and time again come back to that one point, the breath experienced at the nose or at the abdomen. And what we're experiencing are the bare sensations produced by breathing. It's not an image or a picture of the breath or a visualization. No knowledge of anatomy or physiology is needed. You can feel stirrings, pressure in the realm of the abdomen as the abdominal wall is moving. You can feel sensations at the area of the nostrils. And wherever you've decided to land for the moment, bring a very gentle, decisive intention into play. That intention is to pay attention, to experience each breath exactly as it happens. Tell yourself that that's what you're going to do for a few minutes. Very gently tell the mind you're about to breathe mindfully 
while we're following the breath, knowing each breath as it happens, and not controlling it in any way whatsoever, simply allowing the breath to establish its own rhythm or lack of rhythm, allowing it to be short or long, rough or smooth, allowing it to follow its own nature. While this is happening, everything else is happening as well. The world keeps turning. Thoughts move in and out of the mind, sounds in the room, moods, condition of the body. Allow all of that to just come and go in its own way. Don't try to help it along by pushing it or banishing it from consciousness. Simply be with each in-breath and each out-breath. Experience it as it happens. And permit everything else to do what it wants to do. So in the foreground, featured is the breath, in the background is whatever is there. From time to time, as perhaps you've already noticed, the mind seems to have a mind of its own. And even though it's heard very clearly, the suggestion to pay attention to breathing it will roam somewhere else. If you find that your attention is not with the breathing, as soon as you notice that, without condemning that movement of mind, simply the mind's preference, without condemning that, very gently, without being in a hurry, without forcing anything, ease back to the breath either at the nose or at the abdomen, wherever you've elected to attend to breathing. And as many times as attention moves from breathing, that many times very gracefully ease back to the in-breath and the out-breath. to the practice and you've been sitting for more than an hour and perhaps traveled to get here. So I think the sitting will be very brief tonight. Uh, Those of you who've been sitting for a while, of course, if you like, take a break, come back to the hall and sit for a while. But before we go to where we're going next, talk about one aspect of the following the breath that uh, personally I've found important to understand and as soon as possible. Probably your attention will wander from the breathing or move from the breathing many, many, many times. And it's 
only natural at a certain point, even if you're not encouraged to do so, to make some kind of an achievement out of it or a lack of achievement and come up with statements about your mind that you have weak concentration or strong concentration or that everyone in the room is doing it but you. If you could see that the coming back, that is the mind being moved from the object of attention, the breath, and then very gracefully coming back, if you can see that the coming back is the practice, if you didn't need to come back, you wouldn't need to be here. You would just be a ray of light somewhere out there. And so we're re-educating ourselves. And the coming back is what that is about. So it's not to be uh, in any way seen in a negative light. Gradually, by patiently, gently coming back, the mind learns to become very steady, collected, and then it's quite useful for self-understanding or anything else that you want to do in life. Now, the other thing that I'd like to emphasize was mentioned in the mentioned earlier about being silent and trying not to make phone calls, etc. I'd like to encourage you to really uh, take that seriously. That is, if at all possible, don't write, don't read, don't make any telephone calls. Now, you know your situation. You may have to make some phone calls, and then, of course. Now, if you don't write, and even notes, you know, notes of your insights, if you don't write, and if you don't read all the juicy, tempting books that are in the library, sort of entrapment in a way, right across from here, if you haven't seen it yet, there's a big room filled up with all kinds of very wonderfully entitled books. Let them go. There's plenty of time for that. If you're not, and you're not writing letters or postcards telling people that you're on a retreat, you're not telephoning, then what are you doing? Nothing. You're just being with yourself. And that's the point. You may find that uncomfortable because there, there's a minimum of activities outside of yourself to, in a sense, distract you. But that's a good part of why we're here. So please allow that simplicity to work. That means honor the silence. We all have to protect it. It's quite fragile. Now, just in case, during the week, or the three days, there I go, wanting more, just in case you reach your wit's end and feel you've simply got to read something, uh, there'll be a statement, uh, a bunch of them on the table outside near the bulletin board. I'll leave them for you a few moments after we leave the hall. And what I would suggest is instead of going to the books that you may have brought with you for those moments that of awkwardness or boredom, ideally stay with the boredom, stay with the awkwardness. But if you're absolutely at your wit's end, here's a little, what you might call a miniature sacred text. It's a little statement which says an enormous amount, and it's basically what we're going to be trying to do during the three days, and it's by the Buddha. And I'll read it to you, and then you can, from time to time, if you need it during the three days here, look at it, reflect on it, and then most of all, try to live it. And the quote goes something like this. Whether going out or returning, 
the yogi acts with full attention. Whether looking ahead or looking around, he or she acts with full attention. Whether bending an arm or straightening it, he or she acts with full attention. In taking one's overrobe, bowl, and spare underrobe, the yogi acts with full attention. Whether defecating or urinating, he or she acts with full attention. Whether walking, standing, or sitting, whether resting or awake, whether talking or silent, he or she acts with full attention. So we'll begin to try to bring that statement to life in our own life. Okay, thank you. There, uh, many of you may want to get a good night's rest so we can start uh, feeling fresh tomorrow morning. And as you raise up from the cushion right now, begin to get into that frame, that orientation of being sensitive to what you're doing in each moment. Experience yourself raising yourself up from the cushion and making your way perhaps to the dining room for some tea or to your room. Get undressed and get ready for bed if that's what you're going to do, knowingly. And I'll see you tomorrow morning. Thank you.